I want to jump into the Christmas story today, and we're going to spend this month talking about the miracle of Jesus Christ. You know, this whole thing is an absolute miracle, the story of Jesus. And we understand that Christmas is not about Santa. Uh, Christmas is not about presents. But both of those things have a connection, truly, to Jesus Christ. There was an actual real Saint Nick. He lived in the country of Turkey, and he was a believer in Jesus Christ, and he was extremely generous, and he gave gifts to all the children in the village because of the, uh, out of his gratitude and his love for people because of what Jesus Christ had done in his life. Presents have always been connected to the story of Jesus Christ and the celebration because he is the greatest gift ever given. Every other religion on the planet, they're trying to earn their way to heaven. We have the opportunity to have access to heaven because of what Jesus did to pay our way for us. It's something to celebrate. It's something we should be excited about, even though we know uh, historically that likely Jesus wasn't actually born in December. I know, I know it's hard. He wasn't actually born in December, but December 25th is a very special date, and I'm going to explain that as we walk out the series. That specific date is very much connected to the Christmas story, and you'll learn, out, learn more about that as we uh, spend time going through this. But today, I want to talk to you about all of the angelic and miraculous things that happened in connection to the story. Where did the story actually begin? When we're reading the New Testament, we see it uh, taking place inside of a little town uh, in the nation of Israel in Matthew chapter 1, but that's not really where the Christmas story began. Can you believe that the Christmas story, the actual promise of this child, began in the book of Genesis? In fact, it began at the fall of mankind when Adam and Eve blew it. Did you know that God wasn't surprised when they blew it? He's not surprised when you blow it. When you mess up, when you fall down, when you fail, he's not surprised. In fact, that's part of the most amazing uh, part of the story is that Jesus Christ paid for the price of your failures thousands of years ago. He doesn't die again every time you mess up. He paid for it once and for all. The sins you haven't even thought up yet, the mistakes you haven't even made yet, he paid for them in advance. He knows all things and the gift of the sacrifice of his blood paid for everything for all of mankind. And all we have to do is access or access that gift through faith in him. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, you will have the opportunity today to put your faith in Jesus and receive the greatest gift that was ever given, the sacrifice of his life so that you can have eternal life. It's a really good thing. It's really good news. And that's why we celebrate Jesus. But it all started with a word from God. When Adam and Eve fell, God spoke the curses over mankind. He spoke the curses over the enemy. But he said this one thing in the middle of his uh, dialogue with Adam and Eve and even Lucifer, the serpent, at the time. He literally spoke about a woman who her seed would crush the devil's head. Now, you don't have to be a scientist or a biologist to understand that women have eggs and men have seed. And the man's seed fertilizes the egg. But what God described is a woman without the help of a man that would conceive and bear a child that would crush the devil's head once and for all. That's what we have. 
The story of Christmas began at the first failure of mankind, and it began with a word from God. One word from God that shifted and changed the entire course of human experience and the human, uh, I would even call it the human experiment. My goodness, is it an experiment? Have you ever had relationships that were experimental? Man, oh man, I can tell you I've had a few in my day, right? It's important that we recognize this, that every single book of the Bible, all 66 books that are a part of what are the canonized uh, Bible that we have and we use in our worship services today, every single book of the Bible talks about and, and casts a shadow or a type or a prediction of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that would come. All 66 books, all in agreement. And I know there's lots of different talk or things about, oh, what about these other ancient writings or other different books? Every single book inside of the uh, Bible that we have and every one of the books inside of the New Testament were written by an eyewitness as part of the journey of faith. Many of the books that are what's called apocryphal books or the books that are inside of the Catholic Bible most of those books that didn't make it into what we call the canon today are books that were written after the first century. They were written three and 400 years after the life of Jesus. Every New Testament book was written by someone that was actually an eyewitness or living at the time and spoke with and interviewed the eyewitnesses. It's a much better history. In fact, if you didn't know this or not, your Bible is the most scientifically accurate historical document on the planet. Did you know this? The number one most, in fact, the book of Luke, for all of the writings of that era, modern scientists and those that study and prove literary works have, have to agree that the book of Luke is the most accurate manuscript on the planet of that time. Your Bible is an amazing thing. And so what we need to hold on to is that we do have access to the actual documented word of God. And that word of God, you understand the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh. Everything that God does, he does with a word. Everything he made, he made by declaring and speaking. And Jesus is the declaration of God in the earth. And he's the declaration of God in our lives. The most powerful thing that you can do is spend time in your day dedicated to getting a word from God found inside of the written word, found inside of the Bible, but also through the experience that you can have with the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. You have the opportunity for God to live in you on a daily basis. You, because of the work of Jesus Christ, have become the new temple of the Most High God. Your heart is the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwells, where the presence of God can emanate out of you and affect the world around you. The creator of the world has given you an opportunity to be his home. I always laugh when I hear stories and people that are so hung up on uh, these alien species or alien races that have actually, they, they would rather believe in an alien than believe in God. Interesting to me. It's the foolishness of God that confounds the wisdom of man. Seeing themselves as wise, they became fools, the Bible says. God is the creator of all. He's the Lord of all. I want to take you to this story in Matthew chapter one, this is the story. Uh, each of the different readings that we'll do today are connected to the angel Gabriel showing up and interacting with 
mankind to initiate the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he was, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, and he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What a beautiful story. What an amazing truth. Now, I've heard Jewish scholars argue that the word that the prophet Isaiah used for and is translated in our Bible as virgin doesn't actually mean virgin, it means young woman. And they're trying to write out the miracle of the virgin birth. The problem is that every single time that word in Hebrew, it's the word Alma, Alma, it means a young woman, but it specifically is connected every single time it's used to a young woman in preparation for marriage. And everyone in that history and culture understood that a young girl could not be given in marriage if she had been spoiled or lost her virginity. It was part of her preparation. And what made her valuable to her groom was that she was pure. And being a young girl prepared for marriage was 100% of the time in scripture connected to a virgin. And that's the story that we have with Mary, a 15-year-old girl. And the promise was this, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. The entire story, the whole Christmas story is about God that wants to be with us. You remember when your kids were cute? Remember when they were sweet and they would just look up to you and go, dad, dad, right? And you would just pick them up and it didn't matter that they had marshmallow juice all over their face or boogers or what. It didn't matter what they had. It didn't, you just, man, it just, man, do you remember your kids being so cute when they're little bitty and they got snot and you this is a dad move, total dad move. You're right here, just blow, man, just blow, right? Dad, you don't care. It's all over your sweater. You don't care because they're cute, man. And then they morph into this beast of a teenager, right? And just, and all of a sudden, you know, they used to be like this. And now it's like every single one of them is trying to win the Heisman. They're like, ah, just like, ah, blocking you all the time. Can't get any good hugs anymore. You know, it's like they're all, they want to scroll and whatever and too tired to talk to you. Got all this attitude and stuff. You just want to smack them around. Remember when they were sweet and cute? We don't say that in church, that, that part. There's, the Lord has prepared a better place. Anyway, praise the Lord. I'm just messing. And we long to be close to our kids. 
It's natural they go through a season of spreading their wings. You know I'm being facetious. I've got teenage girls and I love them and they're wonderful and challenging and wonderful and challenging, right? The Lord didn't give me boys. He didn't love me enough. <laughs> Gave me girls. Girls are more expensive, statistically proven 20% more expensive than raising a boy for crying out loud. What did I do wrong? Just joking. I love my girls so much. I'm a crazy girl dad. Crazy girl dad. I love it. Uh, but, 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 but we long to be close to our kids and they grow up and they go through these phases where they push us away because they're, it's part of their development. It's part of their growth. It's part of them becoming independent. It's natural. It's supposed to happen that way, right? I mean, we want them, by God, at some point, we want them, go away. Get off my payroll. Get off my insurance for crying out loud. Can I just get a break? At what point do I get to pay for my future, right? I mean, we want them to grow up, but it's painful when they start spreading their wings and they start stretching out. And we long for them to be close. How much more your heavenly father longs to be close to you. This whole God with us thing, God wants to be with us. And what do we do? We fill up our adult days with garbage. Entertainment, talk radio, news, opinions, garbage. Stressed out about this, stressed out about that. Got all this chaos going on. Did you spend time with you? Man, I didn't have time. Don't have time to do the most important thing. The most important thing. Because we got so much garbage going on in our lives. And we have the creator of the universe that moved heaven and hell and gave us his son Jesus so that we could have access to Emmanuel, God with us, living inside of us. And all we have to do is make space for him in our day. Prioritize time for him in our day. Oh man, he wants your dreams to come true. What parent in here doesn't want their kids' dreams to come true? Doesn't want their kids to succeed and do well and have a great family and flourish and be healthy and love life and travel and have adventures? We all want that. How much more your heavenly father wants great stuff for you in your life, but he wants more than that just to have you, have your attention. Have your affection. Have your trust. This angel shows up again. In fact, he had already made an appearance to the high priest, Zechariah. And, and Zechariah was a preacher. He, he was the pastor in his little hometown. And, and the way that it would work is they would have seasons where they would be on duty and they would live at the temple and they would do all the work of the temple and then they would, they would come off duty and someone else would take that role and they would be home for a season and then they would go back. And during the time of Zechariah's service, he's there and he goes into the holy place and he's serving. He stays in there an unusually long time. And while he's in there, no one knows that the angel Gabriel had come from heaven to meet with him because the plan for the Messiah was to come, but the Messiah wasn't supposed to come alone. There were supposed to be two witnesses. And he was to have a spokesperson that would prepare the way for him that would be his cousin, John the Baptist. Now, the problem was is that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old and they were barren. 
and they had never had children and they were past the years of having children. And as we read the story, we realize that potentially they were a little jaded and disheartened and discouraged and maybe a little calloused. Man, life can do that to us, can it? So when Zechariah is having this experience with an angel of the Lord, he wasn't having an experience that was full of wonder. It wasn't magical to him. It was a little scary, but then he got a little attitude with the angel. The angel's telling him what's going to happen, and Zechariah begins to bargain and ask for proof. He says this, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife, (laughs) she's along in years. That's what he says. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And Zechariah leaves the holy place. He finally comes out. They're not used to the preacher ever shutting up. I think that's one of the biggest miracles of the entire Christmas story is a preacher actually shut up for once. My God, you can't shut a preacher up. They want to preach all day long. All we do is talk. Talk is my gift. Talk is what I do. But I bless the world with my mouth, right? I mean, preachers just want to preach. And Zechariah was shut up from that moment all the way through until the baby would be born. We don't know even how long. We know how long it takes for a baby to be born from conception. It's 40 weeks. But we don't know how many weeks it took for it to take. So is it 42 weeks? 44 weeks? 48? We don't know. But what we know is the preacher was completely silent because he didn't have the faith to receive and trust the word of God. He was jaded. He'd seen too much. Too many disappointments. Come on, I can relate a little bit. I mean, I mean, we went through miscarriages over and over. We spent years trying to get pregnant. There were times where it just, it just seems like it was impossible, couldn't happen. And that was a five-year span for us. Imagine it being decades, multiple decades. Now you're in your 60s or 70s. It's been decades of trying, decades of heartbreak, decades of letdown, decades of of thinking that maybe, and then all of a sudden, nope, we lose another one. Oh man, miscarriages can be hard. You get your heart set, you get excited, you're picking baby names out, you're so pumped about it, and all of a sudden, again, the embarrassment, maybe the shame. It's hard, it's challenging. And Zechariah and Elizabeth had had a, a rough go, and they're just trying to keep their heart right and keep serving the Lord. Well, the angel shows up to Elizabeth too, and when he does, she responds well. When this time, when the time of service has been completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. Five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me, she said, and And in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace 
from among my people. See, we serve the God of the impossible. This is something that's been a theme for us for the last couple of months. He's the God of the impossible. It doesn't matter how it looks on the outside. It doesn't matter when God decides to say something, that's what matters. It doesn't matter our experience from the past. It doesn't matter what's stacked up against us. We serve the God of the impossible. That's what this Christmas story really is all about. It's about this God of the impossible that wants to be with us and make the impossible possible in our lives. The miraculous should be the norm inside of the life of a Christian. The, the, the supernatural things and experiences and, and hearing the voice of God and declaring what he's saying and seeing people get healed and seeing families be restored and seeing miraculous things that, that don't make sense, that's supposed to be the normal life of the Christian. That was the life that was depicted in the early church, in the first century church. It was a, a lifestyle of adventure. It was a roller coaster ride. It was ups and downs and wild and crazy and just trusting the voice of God and miracles happening all the time. And what's sad is that once a culture is so Christianized, or it can almost be like we've been inoculated, we've had our vaccine shot against the miraculous. We got just enough Jesus, just enough, just get your, get your double jab going on, get your boosters up, get your Jesus boosters, get your little band-aids going on. And we got just enough Jesus to go live a good little life, good little boys, good little girls, pay our taxes, patriotic, whatever, but we walk in the mundane instead of the miraculous. We believe that it can happen, and I guess it does somewhere, somehow, but we serve the God of the miraculous. We serve the God of the impossible. This entire story of Jesus is a story of miracle after miracle after miracle. And that's what we're supposed to believe and hold on to. That we have a miracle faith. We expect it. We appreciate it. But we expect it. Because that's who he is. He's the God of the impossible. Luke chapter one, the same angel shows up to Mary, begins to tell her. She's got questions too. She's only 15. She's a virgin. Get pregnant? How? I don't even know how that works. I've never even held hands. I mean, she was innocent. No knowledge. So she questions Gabriel. But the difference is Gabriel asked for proof because he was skeptical. Mary still had innocent faith like a child. She didn't have decades of litigation against God for what he hadn't done for him. So her question was a question of, how does it work? I'm curious, I don't understand. Can you help me understand how this is gonna work? Because I'm, I'm a virgin. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and he will be the Son of God. Watch this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month of pregnancy. Watch what the angel says. For no word from God will ever 
fail. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. That's what the Christmas story is about. A word from God. 6,000 years ago, followed up century after century after century, a word from God through Isaiah 2,700 years ago now, that Isaiah himself never saw fulfilled. A virgin will give birth and the son of God will be born and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah never saw it. Oh, we're so finicky, guys. We're believing for something for two whole weeks. We peekaboo pray, peekaboo pray, peekaboo pray, and give up. Jesus, 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 huh? Uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Woo, peekaboo. Ah, uh, Jesus, Jesus. Isaiah declared it, and not a single word from God will ever fail. And 700 years later, the word that he declared became flesh. In the earth. It's not about when we see it. It's not about if we even see it. It's about declaring the word of God knowing it will never fail. Some of you are living in the declarations of a grandma three or four generations ago that declared a revelation inside of her family line and she never saw it. She maybe never saw it. She lived with a husband that didn't believe, but she believed and she prayed and she declared and three generations later, you're the answer to her prayer for no word from God will ever fail. About to pop a blood vessel in my eye. I'm preaching so hard up here. But I want you to see this. Gabriel, the angel said, hey, Mary, your own cousin, Elizabeth, she's already six months pregnant, hasn't told a soul. Six months. Listen, I, I get it. You want to wait a couple months in, get the bump going, get your little, remember, remember the, little, the little pants, the trick you could do with the hair tie, ladies? Come on. You know, you, you know the little button through the loop before you're ready to buy. You're not ready to buy full pregnancy pants yet. How do I know this? I gained 15 pounds at Christmas one year. Had to try the pregnancy trip. My pants going here, you know? You just got to get the little hair tie through there and just get through Christmas and get that thing off later. <laughs> Stuff works, man. It ain't just for pregnant chicks. For crying out loud, it works at Christmas too. Anybody had a 15-pound Christmas before? I had that. I was wrestling. My, my, I've had it at least twice in my lifetime. First time, I was a wrestler in high school, and I went away for Christmas to my grandma's house in West Virginia, and everything was butter and corn and potatoes. I gained 15 pounds in seven days. I came back. My, my wrestling coach was like, you disgusting fat pig. You make me sick. Get out of my fat. It was, I mean, fat shaming at its best. 1988. I was so fat shamed by my wrestling coach, man, but I had a good Christmas. Praise God. My grandma would take a stinking pat of butter, put it on the edge of her corn, eat across the whole thing like a typewriter, turn it, pat a butter on the edge of her corn. Boom. Pat a butter. Dude, I'm telling you. Some butter, folks that lived through the Great Depression could eat some butter now. Peanut butter on the table every meal. 
Some of you don't know about that, man. When you're poor, you just got to keep peanut butter on that table. Make sure you get full. A little white bread, not enough food to go around. Just a little peanut butter and some bread. Finish it off. Mmm, a little honey on there. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So Mary goes to see her cousin. She just heard the news. She's now impregnated. She has the word of God living inside of her. She makes the journey to see her cousin. Six months, total seclusion. Couldn't tell a soul for fear of the letdown again, the embarrassment again. Oh, I remember, oh God, I remember those times when Jennifer would, would be pregnant and then and then it wouldn't, it wouldn't make it. And then people are asking, hey, how are you feeling? How's the baby? And the, those moments of embarrassment and shame and heartbreak. Six months in seclusion. Scholars uh, believe that, that she, part of the fear and part of the reason for her being in seclusion was that, that they, obviously they didn't have sonograms. They didn't have the big 3D thing. You can watch your baby on a 70-inch plasma screen or LED. They didn't have that. It's just, you know, I don't know. They didn't have, you know, you know, do you, and it comes out blue and you, you, what, they didn't have any of that. Technology, they didn't have it. I don't know how they figured stuff out back then. But what scholars believe is that she had been in seclusion because she was still unsettled. She's believing, she's trusting, but she's scared. And she's afraid to be embarrassed again and heartbroken again. And many scholars believe that, that she had never felt the baby move. Because when Mary shows up, something specific happens, something very distinct happens. That it was possible that Elizabeth had had a stillborn baby in the past and she was terrified that maybe this might happen again and she hadn't felt her baby move. She couldn't go in and have the OBGYN do a little scan and check it and sonogram and put the jelly on there and look around. She couldn't do that. She's, she's trusting and believing and she hadn't felt anything. Come on, sometimes you're in the middle of trusting God and you can't feel anything. Ever been there? Just in the middle of it and can't feel anything. It happened to me earlier this week. I was just, man, just having a, a morning just dealing with trying to hear the God and just couldn't feel nothing. My buddy Kevin called me and said, hey, man, I got to tell you about another miracle that happened in my life yesterday. And I'm like, thank you so much for sharing that miracle with me. I needed to hear a miracle today. Sometimes you're just so wrapped up in the mundane and you can't feel something. Mary shows up. It says in Luke chapter 139, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea wherein she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. She didn't know about Mary yet. There was no message sent about Mary yet. It hasn't, it had, they don't have telegram. They, they didn't have social media. There was no baby bump post. The Holy Spirit in that moment gave her a prophetic word. There was no communication. It was the Holy Spirit, a word from God, one word from God, for a word from God will never fail. 
the baby left with her in the room. Filled with the Holy Spirit in a loud voice, she explained, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Man, I don't know what you may have walked through. I don't know what you may have experienced. I know I've been through some stuff in my lifetime. And it's really easy to get into a place where we can feel alone. We can feel isolated. We can feel discouraged. We can feel separated. We can feel hopeless. We can feel like there's no way out. We can walk through a lot of different stuff. And man, I'm telling you, these holiday times can be ultra challenging. People are stressed, trying to figure stuff out. And the first time I ever got flipped off by a grandma was at Christmas. <laughs> Shopping down in Plano, back when Park and Preston, before all the new malls came in, it's like 26, 28 years ago, before all the new malls came in, and man, traffic at Park and Preston and Plano was crazy. And I remember being in the parking lot uh, over there and, and, and just trying to get a parking spot. And this grandma, she's like double barrel cussing me, flipping. And I'm like, what? If, this is not how grandmas are supposed I'd never seen a grandma like that. Like demon grandma, Christmas demon grandma, elf grandma. I mean, she's like, and I'm, and I'm sitting there just, I, I mean, scarred to this day. Grandma scarred me. People are losing their minds at Christmas time. Come on, some of y'all, so, did somebody say cabbage patch doll? That was last service. Remember, remember people killing people over cabbage patch dolls, man, getting in fights in Target over Christmas toys. People are losing their minds at Christmas. Because they missed the whole point. The whole point of Christmas is a word from God. A word from God will never fail. We try to fill our lives with so much stuff that's temporary and empty. Temporary and empty. When the whole point of the season is being filled with the presence of the living God. God with us. God in us. Jesus said to his disciples, you've had the Holy Spirit with you, but soon he will be in you. Oh, God wants to live in you. You have access to him every single day of your life. The most important thing you can do is set aside, separate a time in your life, a time in your day, every single day, just to get a word from God for one word from God will never fail. It'll never fail. You hold on to it, man. Get your Kung Fu Ninja grip on it. You hold on to that thing. I, I, I've held on certain things God has said to me about my, about my marriage, about my children, about my future. I hold on to it. What if I don't see it? What if I don't see it? I don't know what God can do in the generations to come. His word will never fail. We got to settle that in our heart, guys. See, it, it took that moment. Elizabeth was, was believing, but still challenged, believing, but still unsettled. And when Mary showed up and that baby leapt in her womb and all of a sudden she's filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, it says she was filled with the Holy Spirit before you could get filled with the Holy Spirit. Getting filled with the Holy Spirit wasn't even, oper wasn't even available yet. That didn't happen until the day of Pentecost. She had a pre-Holy Spirit filling. 
and prophesied. A woman we have no record of had any prophetic gift before that moment prophesies about Mary and the baby that was in her that would save the world from one word from God. will never fail. You've got to settle your heart around God's word. I trust your word. I trust you no matter what I see, no matter what I feel. I trust you. Does that mean that we don't do practical things? Yes, of course, we do practical things. We do smart things. We do things that are basic wisdom, basic common sense. God is a God of common sense. But also, he's a God of the miraculous that will ask you to do things that make no sense. Some of the stuff, and that's, this is where it really comes down to, guys. It comes down to taking steps of faith into the unknown. That's what the journey's about. That's that, that. And listen, listen, that's what this go and grow vision is about. It's about steps of faith into the unknown. God has given me seven different ministries. He wants us to launch. How are we going to pay for it? Don't know. Who's going to be doing them? I don't know. How's it going to work? I don't know. Do, do you have a plan? Kind of. I need the right people to come together to get the right plan. I need the right resources to come together. It's a step into the unknown. It's a step of faith into the unknown. That's what it is. The disciples coming to follow Jesus. It was a step into the unknown. It's about faith. What God is, I haven't even told Jennifer what God is, is having me working in my heart for what we're doing. Because Ron mentioned earlier, we have the go and grow giving day. That's kind of a, an initial seed or whatever, but it's the vision for the whole year. And it's, what are you, you going to do for the whole year? What are you going to do to be a part of this vision for the whole year? How are you going to serve? How are you going to give? What the Lord has me doing is stretching me. The math doesn't work. I'm, I'm afraid to tell her. Because the math doesn't work. And, and I just kind of, I just started doing it. I haven't told her and start doing it because I want to obey ahead of time, right? And, and, and she'll be all right. She'll be fine. But I'm going to obey God. I'm, what, am I going to fear my wife? A little bit, but a but, but, little bit, but not more than I fear the Lord. When God puts something in my heart, I'm going to obey. It's a step. It's a challenge. It goes throughout the whole year. It's stretching me. See, that's the beautiful thing about faith in Jesus is it doesn't matter where you are currently in your journey. He's got another step for you. Man, you, you may have been saved forever. You may have never been saved. You may have never, your step might be today saying yes to Jesus and, and putting your, and coming into faith in him. Your step today might be, you know what, Joel, I've been sitting around here for a year. I, I haven't gotten plugged in. I'm not serving anywhere. I'll put me, let me join. That may be your step today. Your step might be that, that you, know, you, you had something that you were supposed to do or sp- something you were supposed to give and you haven't taken that next step. Oh, well, be, I don't know what your step is. You have to figure this step. That's what you're gonna figure out. Father, what do you want me to do next? Because that's the beauty of this whole thing is, is every one of us, you could have been saved for five decades. He's got another step for you. He's got another challenge for you. He's got another thing to stretch your faith, to take you into the next, next level of your journey. That's what makes it all equal, is it doesn't matter if you're a baby or if you're a Grammy in faith. He's got a new step for you. And the only way that you'll find out that step is by getting in his presence, by spending time in his presence, by hearing his voice, by reading his word. Man, he's got big plans for you. He's the greatest father. How much more? Will your heavenly father give you all good things? That's what the word declares. Amen.
How much more will your heavenly father, as good as you think you might be, as good as your intentions are towards your own kids, how much more will your heavenly father, as good as you think you might have your intentions, how much more, as, as forgiving as you think you are, how much more, as generous as you think you are, how much more, as much as you want your kids to do well, how much more does your heavenly father want you? But the most important thing he wants is he wants your attention. He wants your affection. See, I'm going to do good for my kids no matter what. But I'd be lying if if I told you that there weren't certain things that they could do that make me really want to do good for them. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do good no matter what because that's who I am. But when my kids, when, when they show me where their heart is, when they show me where their faith is, when they show me, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can get with that. I can get with that. When they show me where their dedication is, when they show me where their work ethic is, when they show me when they're, where their dreams are, what they're going to dedicate and, and fire and, and, and build faith toward, man, oh, I can get with that. I'm going to do good no matter what. But there are things that move my heart. How much more, your heavenly father? How much more? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to move on hearts right here in this room and online. Every single person watching or listening on a podcast could be months from now. Every single person in the name of Jesus. Right now, Holy Spirit, move on their hearts. Move in their minds. Move in their spirits. And draw them in. Draw them into you. Just pray this with me right now. Pray this. Say, Father, show me. What's my next step? How do you want to stretch me? Show me. What's my next step? Where do I need to go? What do I need to do? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to give? Where do I need to serve? Show me my next step. I give my life to you. I'm yours in Jesus' name.